Welcome to the Radiant New Life Church's podcast. This is your host, Pastor Eric Schroeder. We are so happy you could join us today. We look forward to sharing with you the word of the Lord and any prophetic insight that God is giving the church for today. Sit back, relax, as our podcast will be coming to you shortly. Welcome, everybody. This is Pastor Eric here, your host. I'm so happy you could join us today for another wonderful podcast. God is doing some amazing things. He is so good, and I'm excited for all that he has in store for you, for me, and the church today. Um, Pastor Desiree and I got to take a trip, and we went to Kentucky, went and visited the Red River Meeting House in, uh, I think it's in Avondale. It's a small town, hardly anything around. And then from there, we traveled over to Paris, Kentucky, and went to the Cane Ridge Meeting House, which was an amazing and powerful time. Um, <clears throat> God is moving. His presence was very strong at Cane Ridge and at Red River of the Meeting House. And many of you may not know about them, but those were the places of the Second Great Awakening here in the United States of America. And the Second Great Awakening was roughly 1800 was when it all started at the Red River Meeting House. When, a, when a churches of about, I think, seven Presbyterian pastors showed up and they had the first documented uh, camp meeting in the United States. So God showed up there, and for three days, his presence was strong. He was moving amongst the people. There were a lot of things happening and taking place. Uh, and then after that, they decided, because of the amount of property that was needed, they decided to move everything over to Cane Ridge. And Cane Ridge was about, for us, it was about a three-and-a-half-hour drive. So you can imagine when you're on horseback or even a horse-drawn carriage on how long it would take. So in 1801, then they moved and had the second camp meeting at Cane Ridge. There's a church that was built there, uh, a large church that would be able to handle some people. But that church was built in 1792, I guess, from what I remember. But while they were having this camp meeting, a pastor, a Methodist pastor, actually, needed had a word on his heart to say. And so he ended up finding a tree that they say was cut down about 15 feet was still sticking up out of the ground, and he gets up there and begins to preach the word of God, at which point the presence and the power of God fell, and it says that people fell to the ground like as if they were being shot. Now, we understand they would have understood when the meaning with that was is that they just finished with the Revolutionary War. So they would have known what it felt like or what the, the appearance of people being shot by numbers would be like, you know, the both sides lining up with their muskets and, and firing. And a number of men would fall down uh, uh, dead because of the war. 
And they would have known that. So that's probably why they made the reference to that as, as best as they could. But they, they even referenced saying that people's pulses were so shallow that they were beating probably one to two beats a minute, if at all. And they thought, oh my goodness, there's a bunch of people that have died. And after some time that had gone by, these people that had fallen to the ground under the presence of God jumped up and began to shout, scream, and praise God. As God was delivering them, God was moving in their lives. Probably God was showing them things that were about to happen or what was going to happen. And history says that there was not any less than 500 people on the ground laid out before the Lord at a time. And, and there was probably, they said, estimated at the beginning was 20,000 people showed Showed up. Now they would have showed up via uh, horse-drawn carriage, the old wagons. You know, they, they everything was spread by word of mouth back then because they didn't have telephones to call their neighbor and say, "Hey, this is what's going on. You guys need to show up. Get over here." You know, they didn't have cell phones back then like we do today. So roughly 20,000 20, people showed up and were completely uh, um, uh, fell under the influence in the presence of God was so strong. Well, that site, that location, again, is very strong. There's there's a presence, and it was, as I was sitting there praying before the Lord, uh, I could feel wave after wave after wave of His glory. Uh, we then had the, God put upon my heart that there was three other ladies that were in there that we needed to pray for awakening for our nation. So I asked Him, I said, I don't want to be rude, but uh, this is what God's put upon my heart, and they were all happy to do so. And we stood, I got Pastor Desiree, she came and, and we prayed uh, for awakening. We prayed and agreed that God was going to move again like he did in 1800 in our nation, like we've seen with uh, many other different revivals that have taken place. But those are just revivals. Those aren't the great awakening uh, when people will come and, and lives be delivered immediately and, and people crying out, asking to be saved and don't know how to be saved. I mean, in 1800, the, the, the history shows that, that people were coming and, and they were saying, how do I get God? Because they were having an experience with God. And when they would come back up, they were seeking salvation. We need a time like that again. A time when God is really going to move upon this nation. We've seen uh, precursors of it. We've seen tastes of it. We've seen a little bit here and there about what God is doing in our nation. So it is important that we get on board with the things of God. We, we begin to um, uh, reach out for God and his move and his, you know, everything upon the nation. We have to tie ourselves in with the move of God. Now, um, what am I saying about that? Well, when we look at the past, you know, digging up and going to these places, um, people want to say, well, you know, God is not going to do what he's done before. It says in Isaiah, da, 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 da. Yes, but God was also instructing Israel, letting Israel know that he was going to destroy Babylon. And it was not going to be a way that he had seen that they have seen him move in the past. So that's why he said, do not look upon the former things, but the things that I do will be new and afresh because he was talking to them about the destruction of Babylon and how he was going to do it. He said that it was going to be a way that, that God uh, um, 
had not moved before. And it was going to be something new and afresh. But he was going to deliver Babylon into the hands of Israel and was telling them about it. I believe that even today that the third great awakening is going to happen, but it is not going to happen like we expect because God's word, that he does things fresh and anew with that scripture in Isaiah. I fully believe that. I stand behind that, that we are, are not, we cannot expect God to move the way he did in the past. Now saying, here's a caveat. Not saying we do not need to go and dig up these wells of revival, go into these places and study how God has moved before, because what that does is that gives us an expectation that gives us a new hunger for God to move. You know, it's like one of those things. If you've never experienced a move of God, then it's time to look into that and, and figure out there's more aspects to God. Now, how we can look at the past things. There's a lot of things on the YouTube today that you can bring up. There's there's video on Catherine Kuhlman. There's video on A.A. Allen. There's video out there on, on even Kenneth Hagin and the joy movement. If you've never experienced a powerful move of God, I would reference pulling some of these old videos up, watching them, and, and showing, seeing how God has done things in the past. Again, I know he's going to do things brand new. He's going to do things afresh. But we need to be hungry for a move of his glory now. And if we don't know or have not experienced it, how can we be hungry unless we are shown? That is a job of the pastors. That is a job of the church today. There's too many believers in my book that do not know what the presence of God truly feels like besides somebody at the, behind the pulpit saying, I feel the glory of God here today, you know, and, 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 and leading people astray because a lot of times, you know, it, 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 it's either going to be there or it's not. And people are going to feel it or they're not. And we need to be truthful. We need to uh, really go after the presence of God so that the people and this generation that have never experienced what God's true power feels like can experience it. And un unless we do not do this, we have a generation of Christians that will always remain hungry, that they're never going to fully experience fully be full of the glory of God. They will never truly understand what the aspects of God are. We teach that God is love. We teach that he is peace. We teach these things, but yet if people never experience God's glory coming into the church service with the supernatural love that can be felt all over their body, not feel the tingling that goes on, the, the glory rain, feel the fire, the wind, if we do not teach people these things or we in our church do not go after these things, we have a generation that is hungry, a generation that really does not know and understand. And it is the job of the pastors, it is the job of the elders to bring things like this into pass again. We need to expect God to move. We need a generation that is being raised up that has no clue what past revivals, past moves, or even what the presence of God feels like 
like to experience it so they can be hungry. I'm telling you, this generation that is here now that has not experienced the move of God, once they get a taste of the move of God, there is going to be a hunger amongst them. There is going to be an expectation for more of God among them, and things are going to break out. Things are going to happen because they are hungry. They are expecting a move of God. We need it in our churches again. It is time to redig the wells of revival. I, uh, uh, Isaac did it in the Bible. In Genesis 26, 18, he didn't dig the wells of revival, but he dug up the wells that his father Abraham had made that the Palestinians, after Abraham's death, went in there, demolished them, covered them up so they could not be found again. Why? Because Abraham's wells were a place where there was growth, there was prosperity, there was there was refreshment, there was water, there was things like this. The Palestinians wanted the land for themselves, so they did this so that nobody would find the wells that Abraham had made. Well, Isaac felt the need because of what he understood and went and redug the wells. He had to search them. He had to seek out the Hebrew word for dug or dig in the King James is to dig, to search, to seek. So Isaac would have had to seek and search for the wells that Abraham had dug originally. We know as we keep going on in Genesis 26, that as he found the wells that the Palestinians had shut up and, or removed any remnants of them, it says that Isaac found them, was redigging them and renaming them the way they were that Abraham had named them. But they also, Abraham or Isaac, ran into contention. It says in verse, I think it's 20, that there were herdsmen of Gerar that did strive. They argued, they bickered, they contended, they fought with Isaac's herdmen saying, the water is theirs. So Isaac called the well Essek, or in Hebrew, strife. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Then they see that he dug up another well in verse 21. They did the same thing. So he called this well Sitna, which in the root for Hebrew means opposition or accusation. We see again that in verse 22, Isaac dug another well and received no opposition. They did not come against him. So he called uh, the well Rehoboth, which means that the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So Isaac himself had to dig, had to toil, had to put up with accusations, oppositions, strife of those uh, that were in the land. Basically, Isaac was digging up. In today's world, we'd be digging up the wells of revival, but we would be made with the religious spirit that says, you can't do this. We've already done this. These are our waters. Do not take them. And then we had, Isaac had to keep digging and keep digging. And finally, they, he met no uh, confrontation and was able to dig a well. But this well was large. When we look at what the word Rebohoth means, it means to be uh, wide, 
uh, complete avenue or area, a broad place away a street. This was a very large well that God had given him. That's why he said that they shall be fruitful. The Lord hath made room for us and they shall be fruitful in the land. This was a well that would be able to sustain a lot of, of, of uh, uh, animals, people. It was a large well. So we understand that Isaac, if he would have given up, where would Israel be today? They would probably be in a different location, but Isaac did not quit. He did not give up. It's a sign for us today that those that are going after the glory of God, those that are trying to dig up the wells of revival, do not give up. I'm here to tell you today, do not give up. Keep pressing in. Keep moving forward. Keep doing the things that God has for you because the flow, the overflow, the wells are a about to burst with enough provision, enough water of God's glory to sustain the move that is coming. Now, let me tell you, God's wells are about to overflow to sustain the move that is coming. But God needs us to redig those wells, to go after his glory, to seek his face yet again. And then he will do his part and he will sustain his move with the waters that shall not be stopped up again. The waters of living waters that flow within us. We need to go after the glory. We need to dig up those wells again. We need that move. And I'm here to tell you that when we begin to change our services and start to go after the glory of God and start to dig up wells of his glory, we are going to see an overflow in our churches. It is time for revival. It's that time again for fire to quench the throne to quench the pulpits again. We need to get off of this uh, feel-good messages and get back into the fruit of what God is really trying to say, that he is love, that he wants all to come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to prosper, but the word says that he wishes for all to come into repentance. It is time. How are people going to know to repent when the pulpit is telling them that the life that they're living is okay as long as they're happy in this feel-good, mushy stuff that is going on? Most people walk out feeling good, but after a few hours, they're back doing what they were doing before they walked into church. What good are we doing for the people sitting in our seats if we are not bringing forth the fire of God, we're not bringing forth the Holy Spirit and allowing him to move, to bring conviction and allow the conviction of the Father to change the hearts of man. And when that happens, there is revival. Because I always say, conviction brings repentance and repentance brings revival. And it is time again that we start going after the Holy Spirit, allowing him to move in our churches, allowing him to dig those wells of God's glory and the wells of revival. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit instead of shutting him out of our services and not allowing him to move. Yes, that is harsh, 
but that is a time that is something the Lord has put upon my heart. It is time for my churches to bring back the fire of my word, says the Lord. We cannot afford to allow people to hear wishy-washy sermons any longer. How are people's lives going to be changed? How are we going to take the gospel to the marketplace when people don't even know how to pray for each other? When people don't even know how to lay hands on and expect to the sick to recover. How can we allow ourselves to do this any longer? Pastors, I'm talking to you. How can you allow the mediocrity to continue in your churches? How can you allow people to sit there and walk out just as hungry as they were for the word of God as when they walked in? How can we allow people to walk in hungry and leave hungry and not experience the glory of God? How can we allow people to walk in sick and injured and leave sick and injured? How can we allow those addicted to walk in addicted and leave just as addicted as they walked in? No longer can we afford this. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the old wells of revival. We need a new move of God's glory upon our churches. Hear what I'm telling you. It is time. We need it. We have to have it. We cannot sustain the church the way it is any longer because the world is getting darker. It is getting darker and it's beginning to attack the church and we need to stand up. We need to stand against the enemy that is coming to attack and trying to close the doors of the church, that is trying to put rules and regulations on the church, that is trying to get the church to do certain things. I mean, hear me out. Look at what happened to California. <clears throat> they completely shut the church down until a few pastors rose up and said no more. Mario Murillo even went into California for revival and is willing to stand up against the tyranny that is going on. And he is seeing great things take place. Why? Because he's not afraid to bring the glory of God in. He's not afraid to allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to move in those tent revivals. His sermons are about repentance are about the goodness of God, about the mercy of God, about all that God has to offer and his essence and who he really is. It's about God. We cannot go any longer with services that are dry and dead and without God. I'm going to close this out today, and I thank you for listening, but I'm going to close this out today in prayer. I just feel the need to pray and say right now, Father God, we come before you. We come boldly before the throne of grace. Father, we thank you for all that you are having us do. Lord, we give you the glory, the honor that is due because you deserve all glory, deserve all honor and praise. Father, we repent for our ways right now. Father, we repent for the ways that we've allowed ourselves to be more attached to the world than attached to you, Father. We repent for the dryness in our lives, the barrenness in our walk with you, Father. We repent, Lord, 
And we ask right now for a move of your glory. We ask right now, Father, for a refreshing of your presence and your glory in our lives, Father. Let us see what you have in store for us today, Father. We give you the glory. We thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord. We thank you that you are calling the church to activate. You are calling the church to get back into the marketplace. Father, you are calling your church into repentance, Father, for the things that it has done, Father, and you've called us to dig the wells again, Father. Redig those wells again, Father. We declare right now, Lord, we seek your face and we ask for your repentance, Father. We repent for our wicked ways, Father. We repent for allowing ourselves to grow cold in the things of this world. We would repent for allowing ourselves to become complacent and tolerant, Father. We ask for your forgiveness now, Father. We ask for your refreshing over us now, Father. We say even, Lord, let your fire fall upon us, Father. Quench us in your glory. Fill us with your presence, Father, even in greater measure. Father, we surrender all to you. We surrender our lives, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our churches. Father, we surrender our pulpits to you, Father. And we expect you to move in a great and mighty way, Father. We need you. We need your glory. We need your presence, Father. We need your healing touch, Father, because we know that when you show up, things happen, Lord. People's lives are changed. Heal the, those that are sick are miraculously healed, Father. We need your move in our services, Father. We need people to walk out clean, cleaner than when they walked into church, Father. We need the addicts changed to be broken, Father. We need uh, sickness to be restored, uh, health to be restored and sickness removed from people's body. Father, we need you in every aspect of our lives. Father, cleanse us now from all unrighteousness. Bring us back into your great, great uh, righteousness, Father. Bring us back, Lord, again. We cry out now, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need our churches need you more than ever. God, you are so good. You are so wonderful. We need you in every aspect of our lives. Jesus name. If you heard this podcast today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal savior, or you have been running from the Lord and the Holy Spirit is convicting you saying it is time to turn around. It is time to come back into the presence, into the fellowship of God. Or if the devil has been lying to you, telling you that you are not saved, that you've never been saved, that you're never good enough, you're never going to make it to heaven, blah, blah, blah. The devil's a liar. He's an accuser and he's all that stuff. But one of these three questions, if you've never accepted Christ, if you've been running from the Lord and want to come back, or you want to affirm your salvation, please reach out to us. Send us a message. Send us an email at info at radiantnewlife.church or go to our website, radiantnewlife.church and go to the contact page, fill it out. We will be in contact with you. We want to pray with you. If you have a prayer request for anything that you need God to do in your life, please let us know. Reach out to us as we pray. We want to pray. Our job 
for the church is to we have to pray for each other. It's what it's called to uplift each other with psalms, hymns, things like this. We're called to uplift each other. And one way we can do that is standing in agreement through prayer. So if you have a prayer request, also the same thing, you can reach out to us in those two measures, info at radiantnewlife.church or go to our website, radiantnewlife.church. Go to the contact page, fill it out. We would love to hear from you. Well, we again, thank you for tuning into this broadcast this week. We are going to try to keep getting more and more out. I'm sorry it's taken us for a little while. Uh, We've been through some changes, uh, which is good. And uh, we're hoping to get things back out on a weekly basis. Uh, Until next time, God bless you. May his grace be a port upon you uh, and his mercy is great and mighty. So we thank the Lord for everything that he's doing. And if you have any testimonies, again, if you need prayer requests, please reach out to us. We're willing to pray for you. God bless and have a wonderful, wonderful day.